Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and on today's podcast, we're going to talk about Julio Jones. Fortunately, we aren't talking about stats. We're not talking about his time in Atlanta. We're going to talk about the potential of him being traded away by the Atlanta Falcons after June 1st. Uh, to join me in this conversation, I have invited on uh, Will McFadden, formerly of AtlantaFalcons.com, and obviously now a writer with the Falcoholic. Will, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course, TW. I, I obviously wish, you know, we were talking about Julio Jones in maybe uh, another light, but yeah. even if this is kind of the end of, of an era, which there's no guarantee that it is, and I'm sure we'll get into that, mm-hmm. but let's send him out right, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and to that point, you know, just to be clear, nothing has happened yet. Um, we are still in May, uh, and but a lot of talk has gone on. And the setup to this is, we started hearing reports that the Falcons were considering this uh, from local media, from national media. Uh, guys like Peter King picked it up. Jeff Schultz at The Athletic uh, picked this up. Uh, and of course, Terry Fontenot sort of surprised fans by basically saying, yeah, we're going to listen to every offer. And he did not deny the rumor. He did not reaffirm that Julio was going to be a Falcon for life. Uh, you know, something that Arthur Blank uh, once intimated uh, several years ago as they gave him the extension uh, that he is on right now. Um, and in many ways, I think that added fuel to the fire. And we have heard um, this rumor come up again. Uh, it, it came up before the draft. Uh, I had Jeff Schultz on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago before the draft. He said at the time this would be something they would do after June. We'll talk about why in just a second. Um, and he also felt like it was a greater than 50-50 shot that would happen. Uh, this past week, Peter King, again, intimated that he thinks there is a greater, I think he said 60-40 chance that this happens. Um, so this is something now, uh, Will, that uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of smoke. Terry Fontenot did not put the smoke out. He, If anything, he may have poured a little bit more gasoline on it. Um, what are some of your initial thoughts on just the fact that this is being discussed? What do you think the main motivation would be behind even considering trading away arguably uh, the one of the greatest players in, in Falcons history. Yeah. So, I mean, we all know the primary reason would be financial reasons. Um, right. So, so I think it's really not any more complicated than that. Uh, as far as the, you know, kind of, I don't understand why people make such a big deal about uh, a GM saying, yeah, we're listening to calls. <laughs> they, <laughs> they should, that's their job. Uh, it, it, I think about, the Deshaun Watson uh, situation and everything where the Texans were basically adamant blanket statement. No, we're not trading Deshaun Watson. What did teams do? They still called anyway, because that's your job as a general manager is to try to improve your team. And on my podcast, I liken this scenario to 
Green Bay, or, or I use Green Bay as an example. Obviously, they're in a fraught situation with Aaron Rodgers. We, they've been criticized, you know, maybe rightfully, maybe wrongfully, over the past couple of off seasons of not doing enough to provide Aaron Rodgers with the talent offensively to really put them over the hump. And even this year in the draft, they they still kind of went defense, which you could argue makes the team better, and that's what's needed for a championship. But if you're the Packers brass, aren't you giving Terry Fontenot a call to say, look, if we can get Julio Jones here in Green Bay, he's that's two number one receivers, yeah. and teams are going to have to pick your poison. And then we can go to Aaron Rodgers and say, look, dude, we just gave up uh, you know, whatever to get Julio Jones here. Are you back on board? Because we can go win a championship. We're Super Bowl favorites now with Julio and House. We did our part to get you the weapons. What do you say? So, of course, Terry Fontenot should be listening to calls, especially right now, because they don't have, they're in a tough situation financially. They need to fill out the roster. They don't have the probably level of talent that they did even last year at this point. Mm -hmm. And so they said coming in, all options were going to be on the table. They were going to consider winning now and compare that with considering winning in the future long term. And I think that's mainly all this is. And a lot of the, 60 40 50 50 the reporting that usually doesn't come from in-house i don't think terry fontenot is texting peter king and saying yeah you know like we're leaning here right now i think this is it's like league insiders elsewhere it's other executives it's other who are probably talking with the falcons so there is like some dotted line connection there yeah but it's it's former gms it's people saying you know here's what i would do here's what you know, we're here. He, I'm talking to so-and-so over here and they're saying this and oh my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's what I think it is. It's not necessarily coming from the team. It's speculation about what they could possibly do. Um, so I don't think it's a done deal. I think with their draft pick or like with their draft pick, they're going to have to get an offer that entices them to move on from Julio Jones because yeah. they we saw in the draft, they're still kind of committed to winning now. That was what the Kyle Pitts move was and Julio Jones undoubtedly gives you a better chance to win now than you have without him. So I think it's a little bit of a wait and see and and it should get very interesting as the weeks go on. I don't necessarily think that that means June 2nd he's off the table. Right. But we'll see how things develop. I, I definitely think they're talking to teams right now. Yeah. And Again, you know, with a new regime, this should be expected. I don't know why fans are sort of surprised. Uh, Fontenot and Arthur Smith, they don't have loyalty to these players. Um, their loyalty extends as far as they think that it will help them manage the roster and as far as it think, they think it will help them win games. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think them committing to Matt Ryan was not about the fact that he was a, you know, a Falcon for life. I think it, they looked at it and said, we think we can you know, get productivity out of him for the next several years. Um, and on top of the fact that, you know, there's a big financial implication to that as well. And, and with Julio, the reason we're talking about June 1st, uh, to, to clarify for those who are not as savvy about, uh, how the salary cap works and, and why June 1st is such a substantial date in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, June 1st is the point at which the league allows you to push off, um, dead money into a future year. And that is simply what this is. Uh, right now, if the Falcons were to try and cut Julio Jones, they would suffer literally a $17.5 million negative hit against their cap, which uh, the NFL does not allow you to go um, above the cap at any point during the year. You can't even go one cent over it. Uh, you could suffer some very severe uh, penalties. We've talked about that in the past. However, 
if the Falcons were to trade Julio after June 1st, they would actually see a cap savings. And uh, using overthecap.com, I think it's the most popular site for people who keep track of this. I know it's one I reference uh, quite frequently. Um, right now, the Falcons have under $500,000 of cap room, <laughs> which is just, oh my God. Um, it, it, by the way, if there's someone to blame for this, it's Thomas Dimitrov. Okay, let's be clear. The former GM set up that this season was going to have to work this way. Um, and it's, we knew coming in 2021 was going to be tight and certainly the cap dropping did not help anything. That said, a post June 1st trade of Julio Jones will save the Falcons 15.3 million in cap space this year. It will cost them 3 million in 2022. So they will actually lose some cap space in uh, the 2022 year as the rest of his guarantees come due. Um, So that is the financial reason. And obviously uh, the reason they need that money is they don't have enough money to sign the draft class right now. Um, and certainly that $15.3 million that they would get from trading Julio Jones uh, would, would come into play. But, Will, it's not the only option. And I think this is the other thing we need to, to emphasize because I think there's been some talk. People have been saying, oh, we know they have to do it because they, they can't get cap space anywhere else. But that's actually not the case. Um, there's several options they could explore, um, including you know with Grady Jarrett, and even with Julio himself, if they decided they wanted to keep him uh, even longer, that they could restructure his contract as well. Um, do you think that those? Do you think they're trying to avoid some of that um, because they do sort of have a, a you know, twenty twenty two? The cap situation may still be pretty rough for Atlanta, you know, uh, and they're trying to avoid pushing some of that into next year. Or do you think this is really to your point? You think this is more of them just waiting and seeing what may be out there, what offers may come, and and if. A, a rich enough one would come along that would make them pull the trigger. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's everything right now at this point. And you mentioned the Grady Jarrett and that's certainly a possibility or one route that they could go. I think that if they decide not to go that route, if, you know, I were asking Terry Fontenot a question in a press conference, I would basically ask, Hey, could you explain that decision-making? And I'm sure that they could, because again, they're sitting there having all of these same discussions, but they're actually, having them, you know, knowing that they're the ones that need to come up with the right answer. And if they elected to move on from Julio without uh, restructuring Grady Jarrett, maybe it's because Dean Pease has come in and said, look, the defense that I want to run, Grady Jarrett's not Grady Jarrett in that defense. And so are you going to pay a premium for a one gap pass rusher if you're going to kind of slowly evolve into a two gap scheme? Sure, you've got Grady Jarrett for this year, but do you want to kind of, re or extend him and maybe move money off of this year into next year. And then the years beyond, maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they do want to try to give themselves as clean a 2022 off season as possible. And so they don't want to move more money onto the books next year, just to kind of give themselves some briefing breathing room this year. That's kind of what has been the case in years past. And it, the bill has come due now. And so you could understand this new front office being a little bit wary of taking that approach right out of the jump. I like what you mentioned, you know, breaking down all of the different options with Julio. I do think, so it's because he's got, it's the prorated bonus, the signing bonus right now. In the new CBA, teams are actually allowed to trade away the guaranteed salary that they owe a player that's not yet been paid. It's the reason we saw Brock Osweiler get traded to the Browns and the Houston Texans actually sent draft picks to Cleveland. They said, hey, we just need to get this guy off the books 
Cleveland could eat that cap. Here, we're going to make it worth your while. Get get that done. Julio's still a good enough player where they will get draft capital back because it's actually not, you know, 15.3 million is still kind of a bargain for Julio. It's just that Atlanta has this signing bonus money attached and that's where it gums up the works. And so by doing it June 2nd, they will only be charged 7.75 this year. And then they move the extra 15.5 to next year. But that is actually still 3.7 million in savings for what Julio's cap hit would be next year. But the question is, is 3.7 kind of worth your while to not have Julio Jones on the team? And so all of this should be in factor for Terry Fontenot and the front office there. And so if they do not decide to restructure anybody else's contract, extend anybody. And it really is just Grady Jarrett. I mean, when you, you can go at look it over the right. cap, there's not any other moves that would have the sizable impact that they need short of moving on from Julio or extending Grady. So if they decide not to extend Grady, they need to have a good reason for it. And I'm pretty sure that they would have a good reason for it, at least until they prove to us that they aren't making the right decisions. And then, you know, we should be more skeptical of all of that, but there's still a chance that they just say, look, we didn't get an offer that was worth moving on from Julio Jones. All right, Grady, let's go to the table and let's get something done. And that's how we decide to clear up our our cap space. But for the reasons I mentioned before, they know how Grady will fit into their defense. And we've seen before schemes that don't, we've seen schemes that make players better. And we've also seen seen schemes that make players worse. Oh, yeah. And there's a chance that they understand that, hey, what we're going to ask Grady Jarrett to do may not be the thing that Grady Jarrett is best at doing. And so they may not want to pay a premium for what we've seen Grady do in the past if they know that past production may not carry over into the future. And I'm not saying that it it won't. I'm sitting here just totally speculating on what could the conversation be. But it's all, I think, a factor right now. Yeah, and frankly, I do think all options are on the table. Yeah, and to your point, at this point, for them to get enough money freed up this year to sign the draft class, and and really that's what this is about. It's about yes. getting Kyle Pitts and in the entire draft class, Richie Grant, all those guys under contract, which they are not right now. There's two guys: it's Julio Jones and Grady Jarrett. They've already touched Matt Ryan's contract. They've already touched Jake Matthews. Uh, they negotiated with Dante Fowler for the reduced salary. They negotiated with Deion Jones uh, and the rest just aren't going to make enough of an impact. So it comes down to Julio Jones and Grady Jarrett. Um, if they don't uh, trade Julio Jones, the only other potential option is to do a restructure. And um, granted, if they do a max restructure on Julio, they could save about nine and a half million dollars in cap space this year, which would be about enough to get the rookie class signed. However, by doing that, you know, this is the downside to these contract restructures. Uh, You're taking a portion of that salary and you're making it a bonus and you're pushing that to future years. In this case, uh, you would be taking that 15.3 million salary and you're taking essentially 14 million and you're making it a bonus uh, and you're spreading it across three years, which means next year you're going to have, you know, whatever 14 divided by three is, you know, a little over 4 million, um, four and a half million. You're, you're spreading that, you're pushing that cap hit into 2022 and into 2023. So you're basically, to your point you're making, Will, you're punting the cap issue. Um, you, you're freeing up space immediately. And this is something that Thomas Dimitrov did a lot. But 
you said it perfectly at some point it comes due <laughs> and um, it will come due either in 2022 you could punt it again but then you may have this massive cap waiting for you in 2023 now that does allow you to keep julio and it allows you to get that cap space and maybe if you are a team that is looking at this as win now you know you want to win in 2021 and you want to win in 2022 that kind of move may make some sense um to your point i think they're trying to avoid that if at all possible um and the same logic comes in with grady jarrett you know if they don't feel like he is the long-term good fit for the defense um which i don't think either of us are saying that definitively um that no, no, no. you could get him an extension uh which would probably make more sense if you feel like he is a good long-term fit um, but if you don't, you don't want to restructure his contract because, again, you're going to end up with this dead cap, this dead money for a player that's not on your roster at some point. Um, and, you know, we sometimes we focus too much on just how much cap space they're going to save. But the reality is that dead money matters because in any given year, if you've got 40, 50 million dollars of dead cap, um, that is money that keeps you uh, that is being allocated to a player that's not on your roster. And that you cannot use to go sign a free agent that may make the difference in your pass rush, that may make the difference in your secondary. Yeah, I um, actually I looked into this because I, I my mind went exactly where yours went, and I think the past like two or three seasons, uh, a majority of the playoff teams were among the least uh, strapped with dead cap money for hmm. that exact reason. So it just gives you that financial flexibility to make the moves. You know, I think yeah. back to 2016, getting Alex Mack, getting Mohamed Sanu, those were two huge players for yeah. that Super Bowl run. And if you, it's where the Falcons have been kind of since then, just they're kind of bargain shopping in free agency. Yeah. And you're not able to land that one player to put you over the hump. You're able to land maybe a couple of players that you're hoping might improve when they get into your system. But that's a gamble kind of in and of itself. And, and so I think, that's why these guys, you know, Terry Fontenot, one of his best strengths is kind of that bargain shopping and getting the best bang for his buck. But I'm sure that he knows that you can't survive in the NFL doing only that. You still yeah. need to go out and you need to land the big name free agent every once in a while when you need that type of player to just change your your defense or your offense or whatever. And the Falcons, frankly, need that player. They need a star edge rusher. Well, those guys don't come cheaply. And no, they don't. They, they don't want to be saddled with dead cap in year two, in year three of this new regime, because otherwise now their jobs are starting to be on the line a little bit more. So yeah. I'm sure that they've been able to, you know, tell ownership that, look, here's our plan for now, but in year two, year three, that's when we really want to start hitting the ground running and be able to change this team to be the type of team that we want here in Atlanta moving forward and you can't do that if you if you do kind of keep moving money onto next year and saying we'll worry about it next year. Now there, there will be the salary cap will go back up, so there will be a little bit more breathing room. But it's, it's just not a, a way to live in the NFL. Frankly, neither is the other way. Teams with eighty million dollars in cap space, yeah, exactly. They're not always contending either. Like the best teams usually have a little bit of cap space to make the moves that they need to, but they do invest in the good players on their roster and they invest to bring in good players and, and really build out their roster. So that's, I think where the Falcons want to live. They just aren't there yet. And it's not going to take much, I think to get them there. I think it could be done by next off season or, or the off season after that, certainly, but 
they that's I think the big dilemma in that front office right now is how do we manage basically getting under the cap, getting these guys signed this year without screwing ourselves uh, next offseason. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, and that's honestly that last statement is is sort of what's key here. Without screwing ourselves, um, to your point, Fontenot has got to be thinking about. He's probably already looking at 2022 and thinking, "I'm going to have very few guys under contract, and I'm not going to have a lot of cap space." And again, because that the dead money and the, the big contract hits um, that he has inherited. Um, so just adding to that, taking away money from 2022 is not a good plan. Um, and that's why I think he's going to consider a Julio Jones trade because it frees up uh, that money and it does, you know, we, there will be a, a cap hit in 2022, but it won't be nearly as severe for the long term uh, as opposed to doing another restructure, just pushing that money, you know, kicking that can down the road, as we, as we have said in the past. So with that, you know, June 1st trade, they free up 15.3 million. Julio Jones will be off the roster. Falcons will be able to sign the rookie class. Um, and then, Julio Jones is with another team, presumably a competitor. It's the only, it doesn't make sense for Julio to be traded uh, or that a team would want to trade for Julio unless they think they're going to be a competitor in 2021. But Will, the last question I'll ask you as we wrap up some of this talk, um, or last couple of questions, uh, is this trade compensation. We've talked about the trade happening. Um, We've seen in the past with the Falcons, with Mohamed Sanu, what kind of compensation he got. If you're Terry Fontenot, what kind of trade compensation do you think he is waiting for uh, before he pulls the trigger on letting go of the the greatest receiver in Falcons history? Um, You know, I, I, that's, that is a very interesting question. And I think the core question, um, because part of it depends on how do teams view Atlanta as kind of, forced into like, are they having these same conversations? And it's like chicken a little bit. Who's going to blink first? You know, right. they, yeah. they looking at Atlanta is kind of like, you have to make this move. You're kind of in checkmate. Like what, what are you going to do? So if that was the case, then these teams are going to lowball and they should. But if Terry Fontenot sitting here saying, we don't, we're not just, we don't have to move on from Julio Jones. Uh, we're not, you guys are going to have to make us want to move off from Julio. Mm-hmm. That's the the big question, and and whichever side everybody falls on is ultimately, I think, what will uh, determine the return that they get. The other part of that is he's thirty two years old, and I if there's anybody on this planet that I would bet on having a longer tail to their career, it would be Julio. And it's not just because yes, we look at him as a physically dominant, gifted receiver with incre- like incredible speed, just big size, strong, all of that which are the attributes that you usually see start to fade when players hit their thirties and, and mid thirties, especially. Yeah. But having watched Julio up, dude is as technically refined a player 
as any in the league. I mean, yeah. he can run routes like Calvin Ridley, like Keenan Allen, like these guys that are known as route runners. He can yeah. body people like Des Bryant used to do or Andre Johnson. I mean, he can do it all. And so I think we're going to see almost a little bit like LeBron, where if <laughs> he, you know, if he needs to put his head down and drive into the lane to get that layup or dunk, he can still do it. He just doesn't do it every single play. He's yeah. smart. He's smart about how he uses his body, how he gets his rest, when he goes hard, when he doesn't, how to get his spots, you know, how to manipulate people. I think that's what we're going to see from Julio. So I can, I could see Julio having a longer career if he wants to, but I like, I think that teams would look at that and come to the table and say, bottom line, he's 32 because they don't have him in the building. They don't necessarily know all of that. Yes. They can scout and see it on film and, and everything. And everybody knows how good Julio Jones is. Yeah. But I would maybe tell the fans that it's not a guarantee. I think that Atlanta gets a, a first round pick in return. Uh, you know, I, I because teams covet those first round picks, he is pretty expensive for his age. I think Chris Godwin signed the franchise tag for 15.7, which is, you know, basically what you're paying Julio this year. Yeah. Now, if you're a team that is just one piece away from getting over the hump, sure, maybe that's worth sacrificing a first-round pick if you think that's going to win you the Lombardi trophy. But if you're a team like the Chargers, who you've got a rookie quarterback, you've got you know pretty good pieces in place, and you think, hey, if we get Julio Jones, maybe we don't win this year, but maybe we win next year because we th- these guys can grow up, and it's kind of what Justin Herbert needs right now. I don't know if they're going to send a first-round pick to Atlanta because they're looking at Julio as maybe a a bridge to that future that buys them a little time and makes them competitive and elevates the roster right now, mm-hmm. but may not be part of their championship formula in two or three years. So that is really the big question. The other part of this is I wonder if there's, and I don't know the rules on this. So I may be totally speaking at, you know, out of turn here, but I wonder if there's a way to get creative on Atlanta's part and say we'll take maybe less in return draft capital wise but maybe they want to get some financial uh stuff back you know like baseball they'll send cash back to teams I don't know if that's allowed in the NFL but it would be something that I'd be exploring if I'm Atlanta and do you say okay we'll take a third round pick next year and a fourth round pick the year after that but we also want you know five million dollars in in cash to help us pay off some of this salary cap space this year. I, I don't, it's interesting. I don't know if that's actually how it works. So everybody take that with a grain of salt. I'm sure there are people out there who are listening and like, that's complete bullshit. They can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, <laughs> baseball doesn't have a salary cap. So for starters, just right there, like, I don't, I don't know how all of that cap stuff figures in, but if, if I was Terry Fontenot, I would have people looking into what are some loopholes? How can we, because the biggest thing, if you're doing this for financial reasons, then figure out a way to make it as maximizingly financially beneficial to this team to move on from one of your very best players. Because I don't know if I would say Julio Jones is worth trading for a third round pick, even all the financial factors involved. I'd almost rather restructure Grady and then maybe explore trading him in a year or something like that. So that that's kind of where I fall on, on the compensation side of everything. I if they get a first or a future first or something, then I think that that is a big win 
for Atlanta, even having to move on from Julio Jones, because I think teams are going to come to the table and say, look, he only played nine games last year, which all of the injury stuff is bullshit just on the side. Like he's only missed 10 games the last five seasons, guys. Like he's, he's played the most snaps uh, on the team at the wide receiver position four of the last five years. And and I think he could have probably played more last year had the team been in contention. I I think that that may have been a, a choice there. And not probably just not on Julio's part. I, I bet the organization probably didn't need him to be out there on a injured hamstring when the team is fighting for draft spots. Um, so, exactly. <laughs> but that's what teams are going to say. And nobody wants to give up something that they don't need to give up. This isn't draft day, the movie where he's just like, and you're sending me my three extra first back. You know, it, that's not how this works. And so, mm. I think a, a day two pick is probably more in the realm of what Atlanta would get back and maybe then a future day three. But, you know, it, I that's the thing that I'm going to be most interested to see is if this happens, what do they get? Because that'll be kind of like the market value a little bit for for what Julio, how the league considers Julio at this point in time. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating question. And in my mind, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I feel like the talk of a first round pick, it's not going to happen. Uh, I, teams value that first round pick so much, um, not just for the quality of players they get, but don't forget that first round pick has that fifth year option. It gives these teams yes. the option to keep that guy around for one more year. If you're not quite sure if he's going to be in your long-term plans and they, they do value that. Believe me, that is something that is in their consideration at all times. And wide receiver is a position that's kind of losing value because there are so many of them. Yeah. And, and you, you, a team could sit there and say like, well, I could just get Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You know, I could just draft a guy in the first round. And a lot of the first rounders recently have been really good. And then a lot of the second rounders have been really good. And a lot of third rounders have been, I mean, wide receiver, yeah. there's just an influx of talent at this position. So, you know, I think a team would sit there and say, why do we need to give up a first to go get Julio Jones? Let's use that first to get, Jamar Chase next year or next yeah. year's version of that. So who we will have for five years. Yeah, minimum. or hopefully 15 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As opposed to two or three years at mm-hmm. best. Um, and, and I and you know, a lot of that goes back to how the NFL now is becoming very offensively focused. And that influences the talent that comes up through the systems. You know, you you begin to see high school and and college players focus more on the offensive side of the ball because they feel like they'll have their best opportunities. Uh, to make it into the league on that side. Um, but to your point, it's creating like this huge influx of talent uh, at the wide receiver position. And that is going to play against the Falcons when it comes to Julio Jones. What's interesting sort of as a, a, an addendum to all of this uh, is, you know, the one name we're not talking about from a, a June 1st trade standpoint is Grady Jarrett. Um, and I'm looking at the site right now. As a post June first trade, Grady Jarrett would save you about thirteen and a half million. Um, so it, he, we have not. Just to be clear, we have not heard any rumors about the Falcons entertaining trading Grady Jarrett. Um, so that is just off the cuff. Uh, but again, we know that those are the two guys uh, that one or the other is going to help the Falcons get the cap space they need to get this rookie class signed. Um, and, and this is going to be interesting. You know, it, we're going to find out one way or the other what the Falcons are thinking about the future for both of these players. You know, if they restructure Grady, that could be a sign that they think he's in their long-term plans. If they give him an extension, that's clearly a sign. Um, If they restructure Julio, 
that could be a sign that, you know, with Grady that, like you said, they're keeping all their options open. Um, this is going to get really interesting because one thing's for sure. They want to get this done in the relative near future. Um, they don't want this to drag on into July. They want to get these rookies under contract. That means it may not be June 2nd, um, but I think we're going to see something happen in June. It has to. They, they need to get these rookies uh, secured so that they're protected under you know the contract. And uh, you know this this is a tough position for a first time GM to be in. And uh, I, I imagine uh, to your point earlier, Will, they're they're probably having these conversations every day. Except for us, we could talk about it. Um, you know, speculatively for them, it's going to have long term implications for the team. Um, so any closing thoughts, Will, as we, you know, this is a tough subject and, and to be clear, um, it, cause we've, we've, we talk about this a lot, uh, in our writers chat that we have on the side, uh, for those of you who are listening, um, I've, I've played devil's advocate at times for this. And I want to be very clear. I want Julio Jones to be a Falcon for life, uh, as a fan of the team. Um, but I also stand, understand that there are some financial implications here that may make may make it, uh, you know, in the realm of possibility for Fontenot. Um, and it, I hate to see it, but I think we have to keep our minds open that uh, this front office is inherited a mess um, and they've got to fix it. So, Will, any last thoughts uh, as we close this out, um, you know, talking about Julio Jones and, and the potential of him playing in another uniform in 2021? Yeah, so I, I have three kind of quick final thoughts. Uh, first, I think the notion, the whole Falcon for life, uh, which came from ownership, you know, it wasn't yeah. something that, that Thomas Mitroff really said. And, and it happened at times while negotiations were happening. And, and I don't know yeah. Yeah, how it impacted cool. negotiations and, and things like that, but I, I can't imagine it was the most helpful. Um, <laughs> I, so if, if we just look back at the timeline of Julio, you know, when he kind of signed his first extension, I believe in 2015, and then by the time, you know, 2015 happens, he has an amazing year. 2016 happens, they go to the Super Bowl, all of that. The fan base started kind of almost turning against the Falcons organization and saying, you know, how is Julio Jones only the 19th highest paid wide receiver when he's the like arguably the best in the league? Well, that's a tremendous job by the organization. You know, it, it, I understand that we're all out here and we want players to get everything that they're worth. I want everybody to make the money that they deserve and, and should earn, but it's all about, you know, cost benefits and, and the effectiveness of, of getting the value there. And so for everybody, kind of the public notion turned to say, give Julio what he's worth. And that coupled with, I think, uh, pressure from, you know, ownership, maybe a little bit and, and Julio's camp kind of saying, you know, I want a deal done now. And, and those two kind of training camp, little, weird situations. Where is Julio going to show up? Is he not going to show up? Is he going to hold out? All of that stuff ended up, I think with the Falcons kind of like overpaying him on this contract to mm -hmm. make up for the value that they got when they kind of first did that extension. So I think we're in this place a little bit because of that exact notion of like, we want him to be a Falcon for life. It hurts to see our favorite players go play for other teams, but you know what? Phillip rivers just was a cult this past season. Yeah. Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl in Denver. Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Tom freaking Brady, if he can leave New England, then guys, like I think it's organizationally smart to not just kind of keep somebody around because 
the fans have an affinity for him. Julio Jones is going to go into the Hall of Fame as an Atlanta Falcon. That's already written in yeah. stone. So it, I don't know if we should be looking at this. And yes, it's going to hurt. But think of all the good times, <laughs> maybe, right. instead of just, well, it, we don't want Julio Jones to be playing for Arizona. So give him more money, even though that means it's going to necessarily hurt us down the line. So that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. The other is that we were just talking about the influx of wide receiver talent. They have a damn good young wide receiver that they're about to have to pay next year. Yeah, They just yep. did his fifth year option. They're, they're going to have to pay Julio, or Calvin Ridley similar Julio Jones money. And you just can't, the best teams in the league don't have guys on the roster at wide receiver being kind of like the two highest paid players. That, yeah. that is not a formula for success. So that's my second thought. My third thought is finally on Grady Jarrett. I do think it's worth noting and, and remembering that he did just sign a deal last year. You know, yeah. they franchise tagged him, but then they gave him a four-year deal. So he's only entering or, you know, he, he's kind of early on in this process of, of this new deal. Actually, it was 2019, so two years ago. But I don't know if they would necessarily sit here and look at him as, do we really want to add a ton more to this deal when he's still kind of midway through his current contract. So as they, you know, they look at 2021, but they look at 2022 and 2023 and 2024 and they stack all the boxes and they say, okay, here's the money that's set here. Here's when this comes off the book, all of this. And then they balance it. And so I just don't think with Grady, yes, that is probably the other only option, but how willing are they to pursue that option if it means locking themselves in and really how much money could they move? Uh, I think is, is the conversation there because are they able to kick it two years down the road? It, is Grady going to say, no, I'll, I'll give you some cap space this year, but next year you're going to owe me everything that you owe me now and next year. And and then they're going to be kind of bent over a barrel with, with Grady's situation. And so that, that is where, you know, the more that you think about it, you talk about it, Yes, Grady's an option, but Julio still remains probably the best option. And yeah, exactly. he is the player that you're going to get the most back for outside of one of your young studs who's very cheap or Matt Ryan. And I think it could just be as simple as that. Yeah. And I think that this is where the team is at. Like they um they have few options. And again, this is um, you know, not to hammer on this too much, but uh, this falls back to the previous regime. And uh, I, I think fans, if you're going to get upset uh, at anybody that, you know, they're having to look at these decisions, get, get upset at the last regime. And, uh, the but fact also, that, but also, I mean, that also kind of comes, but that also comes with a, with a grain of salt because the last regime is the one that bet on Julio. Yeah. The last regime is the one that Thomas risked his job to come up and get Julio Jones. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, it, it's not ending necessarily the best way, but also like thank them for the good times and, and criticize them for the bad times. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's the NFL in a nutshell. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. And honestly, obviously at the Falcoholic, we're going to keep uh, a keen eye on where all of this heads because something is going to happen. Uh, that is a guarantee. Something is going to happen, whether it's, <laughs> Uh, a restructure, uh, an extension, um, a trade, something is going to happen in the very near future. And of course, we'll cover it at thefalcolic.com uh, and we will have um, a, a ton 
uh, of, of articles on whatever that move is, uh, whether it causes the weeping and gnashing of teeth or celebration in the streets, we'll be there for it. Uh, Will, uh, as we close out, remind our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on. Yeah. Um, so follow me at uh, Will McFadden. I was lucky enough to hop on Twitter early, grab that handle. Um, I am, you know, writing at Falcolic. I'm, I'm sure I'll have some thoughts on however everything goes down, be able to hop on these pods. Uh, I am really excited. So I've got uh, my own podcast, uh, Believe in Falcons, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I just uh, reached out to Nico Tan, who is uh, worked with me for Atlanta as one of our social media people. But most importantly, he was kind of the mastermind behind the Game of Thrones schedule release video that went viral oh. a couple of years ago. That was and fantastic. So I think, yep. So I think he's going to hop on my podcast uh, next week and we're going to kind of reminisce, talk about the schedule this year, and then hopefully he'll go into uh, greater detail about how he came up with that idea and just how that process unfolded. So I'm really excited uh, for that. I mean, Nico's one of my best friends. It should be a great conversation. So I hope everybody will check that out. That is fantastic. I can't wait to hear that, Will. Um, as for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Will McFadden, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. Talk with you next time.